0: To the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast, I'm your host, as always, Tyler Crawley. Hope you had a great three day weekend. Or since we're not to- talking, it's- no, I'm sorry. You know what? <laughs> I'm so used to doing this on Tuesday or Monday, I should say. No, no, it's the Wednesday edition, <laughs> the Markets and Mortgages podcast. See, that's so funny that I'm not even gonna restart the podcast and do it over again. We're just, we're rolling with it. We are rolling with it. So I hope you guys had a good three, four, five day weekend, however long you took off. Seemed like a lot of people were doing maybe the four, four day thing, maybe even five, if you were lucky enough. And today's a big show because, well it's always a big show here on Markets and Mortgages, but I didn't realize this until I realized the date, but it was 10 years ago that I started really in broadcasting. I mean, really kind of became bigger in broadcasting. I took over the morning show in Wilmington, North Carolina, 10 years ago. It was right after Labor Day. And so I was debating whether I was gonna do today's show because I'm still having an issue with my um, my voice. I'm st- it's still getting kind of a sore throat and it seems to go and come and I don't know. Um, so I'm going to definitely talk to the doctor about that, <laughs> but it's, uh, it was giving me a little, giving me some problems. I was afraid I was going to lose my voice. And so that might still happen. So let's just jump right into it. Let's get into the big report one everyone was talking about, at least in housing. And that was the core logic home price insights report that looks at the core logic home price index and something kind of amazing happened. We actually saw home prices fall month over month. Now, year over year, they are still well above double digits, but month over month, an actual pullback. And I went to see when the last time this happened was, but the only data I could find on the website went back to, I think, late 2020. So if we were going to see a pullback, it would have been happening around the pandemic. So I'm going to guess... This may be the first time this has happened since the pandemic. If not, I don't know when the last time we saw a month-over-month drop in prices was. So here was the hard data. Home prices were down, and it was a big drop year-over-year, too. I mean, a big slowdown. So it fell to 15.8%. So home prices are still up 15.8% year-over-year, but that was a 25 percentage point drop from the prior month. So yeah, I mean, 15.8% still big, but the fact that it w- it dropped 2.5 percentage points, that's a big drop. And more than likely, we are gonna see big drops every single month moving forward. Home prices, as I mentioned, actually fell month over month falling 0.3% in July when compared to the previous month. This is down from the 0.6% percent increase that we saw in June so almost a full percentage point and that is for month over month where the numbers are much smaller and to see a full point swing almost a full point swing uh, really just gives you an idea of how fast it looks like housing prices are going to be slowing you know we saw kind of a you know, quick ascent. There's no doubt about that. Then we saw kind of a plateau, then they jumped up again, and then they really went kind of parabolic for a little bit, and they've sort of stayed there. And it looks like it's just going to absolutely crash because this is once again this is July data, so we're still a couple months behind where we actually are, and so it it feels to a lot of people in housing that this is going to be an abrupt slowdown, like us kind of hitting a brick wall here. Now CoreLogic, of course, always does its projections for what is gonna be happening the month and year ahead, and I always have to caveat by pointing out that I don't think they've ever gotten it right, even in this case. They're always underestimating, they, they, they underestimated for, I would say, at least a year and a half, and then the one time we actually saw a kind of big slowdown, they missed it. <laughs> they They still thought home prices were gonna be positive, for the month. So they are projecting a 0.6% increase from July until August. And they are projecting that looking at July of 2023, home prices will still be positive 4.3, but only 4.3%. So they are still projecting that if you bought a house today, or I should say in July, a year from now, or from July, because <laughs> it's not just September. <laughs> it's weird. Because this report came out today, but it's looking at July data. So if you bought a home in July, a year from that point, which would be July 2023, your the price of your home will be up by 4.8%. Or 4. Point, was it 4.8? 4.3. Excuse me. 4.3%. <laughs> so they're still projecting that things are going to be positive, but but due to the fact that home prices are currently up 15.8% year over year. You're probably gonna have some negative months like we just saw with the 0.3 percent drop month over month. but here's what's amazing. So it appears as if it housing is slowing everywhere and in some places more so than others. but the reality is it's not <laughs> it actually is not slowing everywhere. for example, Miami, which it's hot in general, but the housing market may be even hotter. Miami, year-over-year home price growth, 27.1%. That is actually up from what we saw last month when it was at 25.3. So everywhere else is slowing, except for Miami, that is actually increasing from 25% up last month to now 27% in July. And amazingly... They weren't alone. So Phoenix was number two. They actually did see a drop, a four percentage point drop to 22.1%, followed by Las Vegas was up 21.6%, San Diego up 17.2%, and Houston up 164 So other housing markets, or I should say this, and, and, I, and maybe I worded it incorrectly, Miami's the only place it's actually growing week over, or month over month. So they actually saw an increase in how hot the housing market was. Everywhere else is still decreasing, just some places aren't decreasing as fast. I mean, Las Vegas is still, even with a slowdown, <laughs> and Phoenix, even with a four a four percentage point drop, four percentage points, is still up 22% year over year. It's just, it's it's still crazy. In some places, even with the slowdown, and of course, the main impact of all of this is affordability because you still have home prices that are that are appreciating at a 22% rate or in Miami 27% rate and rates are rising and i will tell you that today was not a great day for mortgage rates tuesday that is it was not a good day <laughs> it has not been a good day in a while for mortgage rates i will i will put it to you that way of course every day is very volatile but first day back tuesday was not a good day. And so as rates rise, more people get pushed out of being able to buy a home. Selma Hep, economist over at CoreLogic, says rising home prices and rates have crushed affordability, saying in a statement, following June's surge in mortgage rates and the resulting dampening effect on housing demand, price growth had taken a decisive turn. However, the higher cost of homeownership has clearly eroded affordability as inflation-adjusted monthly mortgage expenses are now even higher than they were at their former peak in 2006. And this goes back to that piece by Connor Sen over at Bloomberg, because when it comes to buying a home, you have three major components, right? You have the the price of the home. You have the rate And then you have wages, you know, what the person has. Now, obviously, assets is another component, but I'm talking about for the average person, right? So if the economy is doing great, people are making more money, then they will be able to buy a home, assuming the price is right or assuming the rate is right. Now, really, you need two of the three in order for it to make sense. So you can have, you know, rates falling, prices going up, wages going up. That's good. You know, you can have you can have rates going up, but prices are remaining stagnant. Wages are going up. I mean, like you you have to have some balance there. But what you can't have (laughs) is wages not going up, home prices going up, and rates going up. That is a recipe for affordability to plummet. And so what Connor Sen has said is that rates are clearly going up. Home prices are still going up, even though they probably will stagnate at some point, maybe even pull back. And that's the most likely scenario, anywhere from five to 10, 10 to 15, somewhere around there. Obviously the hotter markets are going to see the bigger drops, but nationally, I think they've said anywhere from five to 10%. But if wages are increasing, all of a sudden affordability, the affordability game changes, but that's, what's going to save housing. Otherwise you're going to have to see a much bigger pullback in home prices because rates do not look like they are falling. You know, I mean, I say anytime soon in this year. A lot of people thought, well, maybe the end of the year, if the economy looks like it's not doing so great, we could see a reduction. No, it does not look like it's in the cards in any way, shape, or form. So what can really save housing, this is what Condor Sen said, um, was wages wages will be the thing that makes affordability that makes it work again. All of a sudden, homes are more affordable because people are making more money. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to have to see a pullback in either rates, which does not look like it's possible, or home prices. But if wages go up, we are good. Now, I do want to, this actually came out last week, and I, and I kind of missed it. I'll admit, sometimes I miss these things. Nothing makes me angrier. I used to hate this when I was on the radio, and a story would happen, and I, for some reason just, it would not cross my desk. I, I wouldn't see it on Twitter. I wouldn't see it, you know, on other shows. I, I just, for some reason, missed it, and I hated it. I hated when I would miss a story, and so I missed this. And so I kind of hate that I miss it, even though it's perfect, because there's a ton going on. So we can really kind of dive into it, at least as much as is necessary. And that is California. So we've talked about this sort of new California being led by Governor Gavin Newsom, who I will remind you, being a conservative talk radio host that I was, I agree with pretty much nothing. That Gavin Newsom believes it on pretty much every political issue across the board. I'm going to be on the other side of except for one. And it's kind of the big one because it's like my industry and that is housing on housing. Gavin Newsom and me were brothers in arms. <laughs> we are walking lock in step on this issue. And, yeah, the New York Times has covered this, the Wall Street Journal has covered this, and it's getting a lot of attention. And I love it every time. Because if, if it's like if it's happening there, you just gotta hope it's gonna start happening in other places. And so they begin this piece, and that is Connor Doherty and then Sumai Carlamangla. And this is this is hysterical. So they're talking about Woodside, California. Now I've never been to California, I don't really know much about it. But they're talking about Woodside, California, which they point out this place does not have a big impact on the housing crisis right now in California. You know, crazy sky, high prices. People can't afford them. And so if something were to change in Woodside, they point out that it's a it's a wealthy enclave of Silicon Valley, which, we, which would make sense. Right. You don't have to say the wealthy enclave. Or the wealthy part, just an enclave of Silicon Valley. That's wealthy. It's already, it's already going to be built into the pie on that one. It's less than 12 square miles and contains about 5,000 of California's 40 million residents. So like anything that happens there is not going to have a major impact. So why are they talking about it? Well, earlier this year, Woodside's government made a curious announcement that the town <laughs> was being designated a sanctuary for mountain lions. And you can probably guess why that is. Why do you think they did that? They did that because California is becoming more and more pro-development. But in a lot of cases, local municipalities can do things to kind of go up against these more aggressive policies that are being pushed by the state government. And one of the ways, of course, of course, especially in California, environmental, or in this case, kind of, you know, nature, where you're saying, oh, we, if, you, if you if we build here, you're going to hurt the mountain lions. <laughs> and, of course, they get into it, and the, the idea that you can declare an entire town a mountain. I mean, if the town was like all mountain lions, you know, like it was a cartoon, and there was like a mountain lion neighbor, or you know, it's funny. I'm getting flashbacks of there was this running joke on Twitter, on political Twitter, that is not housing Twitter, political Twitter, where there was this joke about a bobcat becoming president of the United States. I don't even know where it started, but it was just this like funny ongoing inside joke on Twitter that a Bobcat was going to be president. And so like, I'm picturing like, this is how the president Bobcat would happen. Like, Oh look, a mountain lion can run a town in California. Why can't a Bobcat be president of the United States? So yeah, it was like a cartoon where like everyone in the towns, oh, you know, a mountain lion, you know, mountain lions are being elected to office and they run businesses. Okay, sure. That town, maybe that's a mountain lion, sanctuary. <laughs> but other than that, it is an absolutely insane idea. But as I said, this is to fight back against what is happening at the state level. And the authors of this piece point out for the past six years, California's legislature has ended each session with a blitz of new laws aimed at making housing more plentiful and affordable. Once again, those are kind of one and the same. If you want to make housing more affordable, you make it more plentiful. I mean, that's that's how you do it. I mean, there's artificial ways that you can do it that always have kind of a a backlash. But the best way, just basic supply and demand. You have demand at a certain level, supply's down here. You push supply above demand, prices fall. I mean, it's it's so basic, and everyone acts like it's so difficult. Now, what are some of the things that California has done? Well, I don't like this statewide rent control. I don't like it. It's not good. It's a band aid that usually ends up, it's like a Band-Aid for a bullet wound. Like maybe like for a few seconds, it might seem like it's helping, but it doesn't actually help. It actually ends up hurting in the long run or it does absolutely nothing and maybe makes the problem worse. Now, other policies, uh, move to encourage backyard units like that, a dismantling of single family zoning rules like that. The barrage continued in this year's session Which concluded last week when lawmakers passed a pair of measures that aim to turn rental centers or rental retail centers. It's a difficult word. (laughs) Office buildings and parking lots into potentially millions of future housing units. I love that. I love that so much. So I love these are I can't believe I'm actually just I'm in love with some of these policies that they're passing in California. Not something that I think I've ever uttered. In my entire time broadcasting, I've never said that. Now, these laws received a decent amount of fanfare, which sort of signaled to a lot of people this changing policy on the state level. However, until recently, they might have gotten a lot of attention, but they didn't actually do anything because nobody was enforcing these policies. So they would say, hey, you know, we're going to get rid of. Zoning, and we're going to make it easier to to rezone multifamily and da 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 da, and the local government would go, yeah, we're still not doing that. We're 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 still denying your you know, desire to turn your single family home and into a duplex or a triplex or whatever it may be. Well, that's changed, as Governor Gavin Newsom, for reasons that are both practical and political has shifted toward an increasingly aggressive effort to enforce the laws already on the books, and he is not alone. Rob Bonta, I think I'm saying that right, the California's Attorney General, who is also up for reelection along with Gavin Newsom, said he expected this to only get more intense, saying in an interview, we are just getting started. And the policy is very simple, laws that are good enough to sign should be good enough to enforce. Yeah, I would say a law good enough to pass should be enforced. It's funny how that's like a novel idea in California. Like, yeah, we passed the law and we have a law, but, eh, you know, I don't know if we're going to pass it. I don't know if we're going to enforce it. We just we just wanted to pass it. But here's why this is happening. So I went and looked this all up. So in California, this is so insane. The median price for a home in California is 786 thousand dollars now here's what's crazy so on tuesday tuesday afternoon rocket mortgage announced that they were going to increase their conforming loan limit so as for those who don't know every year the fhfa the federal housing and finance agency decides what the conforming loan limit for a conforming loan is that's the loans that of course can be bought uh, or are bought by, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. And it's what makes our whole system as in its current form work, right? Because that's what mortgage companies do. They, they create loans for the most part. Majority of them are conforming loans that they then sell to Fannie and Freddie, which clears up more capital for them to be able to do more loans. And so it's, you know, you, the, the, whatever the conforming limit is, it's important because that's the majority of these mortgage-backed securities. Now, of course, there are securities for, for jumbo's non-conforming loans and you know well not just not just jumbo but uh, you know non-conforming loans but in this case a, a a person who would qualify under you know normal circumstances but the loan value is too much that would be a jumbo loan and so that would be a non-conforming loan and so there's there's you know mortgage-backed securities for those but the the gold standard is of course the conforming loan that is bought by Freddie and Fannie and so last year there was a big big jump to and I probably should know this but I don't. I think is it 647,000? I think that's where we are, something along those lines. So it was a big jump from the, you know, from the I think it was double digit jump from the year before. Big jump kind of surprised a lot of people. Well, Rocket Mortgage has come out and said that they are assuming and we don't know what it's going to be yet cuz it's early. They don't make the announcement I think until November and then the actual loan switchover doesn't happen until the beginning of the new year. So we'd be looking at January 23. Rocket Mortgage has already come out and said that their conforming loan limit is going to be 715000 So they've kind of jumped the gun on that. And usually what that means is that they'll do loans, and then they'll keep them on their books. And then when the loan limit increases, they can then sell them. So they're kind of taking a chance, because what happens if the FHFA decides ah, you know what we're seeing some pullback in houses maybe we don't need a loan limit to go to 715 it's kind of risky for a mortgage company to do that i will say especially this far out when we don't really have any guidance on what they could do i mean it's kind of a safe guess we'll, we'll see i just you know we don't know what's gonna happen with home prices at the end of the year and so it, it's it's Kind of surprising that, they, but the reason I'm bringing that up, the reason I'm bringing this up, is that the median home price in California is seven hundred eighty-six thousand. That's like a hundred thousand over, <laughs> at least, from what the conforming you can't even do like a conventional loan unless you're putting a crazy amount down <laughs> in order to get you a conforming loan limit. And even with the increase, you're still not there. You'd have to put a lot of money down, which I mean that also complicates the problems in California. When the median home price in your state is so much more than the conforming loan limit, yeah, that can create some problems. But I looked at some other data and I looked at the, the median existing home price in the West, which I think a lot of it is influenced by California because I mean, California is a big part of the West. It's 614,000. That is 38,000. I'm sorry, 38% higher than the Northeast, which is the second or the closest region. And it's 50% higher than where we were in February of 2020. And you have a situation where 56% of California homeowners own their home. That means 44% do not. And you have to assume that a lot of that 44% is going to be young people and it's going to be minorities. And so they are stuck dealing with kind of the bad side of, of housing right now, because if you're a homeowner and home prices skyrocket, you don't really care, especially in California. Because remember, proposition 13 says that their property taxes are capped to their sales price. I think it's like 1%. And so it doesn't matter if home prices skyrocket. They are insulated from that. And the fact that they already have their payment and everything else, if you're a renter, though, it sucks. (laughs) It sucks big time. And so... And and here's the thing is that when you, I looked at the demographics, because you would think, just, I know I'm being stereotypical, but you would think that maybe more homeowners would be Republican. And actually, it's pretty evenly divided Republicans and Democrats rent and own. It's pretty evenly divided. So I'm going to assume it's pretty evenly divided in California. But I would say, due to the fact that you are seeing more, that renters are more likely to be young and are more likely to be a minority. And, Dem- and Democrats state, like California, those are gonna be, that's gonna be their base. It does give a political incentive for Gavin Newsom and other Democrats to get on board with development, which in some cases is looked at as maybe being pro-capitalism, pro-Republican. And then of course, but you know, there are a lot of Republicans out there that are strict when it comes to property rights in kind of a weird way. Where they almost think like your neighbor shouldn't be allowed to do something, <laughs> like it's kind of weird. It's like I should be able to do whatever I want with my property. It's like okay, well my my neighbor's gonna rezone it and do uh, turn it from a, a single family home and do a duplex or a triplex, and it's like no, we can't do that <laughs> because like property rights or that'll influence my property rights or whatever dumb argument they've coming up with. But my point is is that Republicans and Democrats both have a reason to want to squash NIMBYism. And man, can't believe I'm saying this, but I am very proud to see that North Carolina is kind of spearheading a lot of these efforts that I think will make housing more plentiful and therefore more affordable. And so Gavin Newsom, my boy, you're my boy, Blue. <laughs> man, never thought I'd be saying that. You get it, Blue, because he's Democrat? That's it. <laughs> I wasn't even planning on that. And that totally worked. It totally worked. you my boy, Blue. It totally works. All right. I got it. Oh, my voice actually does not hurt. I'm trying to think if it sounds more distorted from where we started the podcast. All right. I'm feeling pretty good, but we are done. I don't need to talk anymore. You guys enjoy your Wednesday because it is the Wednesday edition of Markets and Mortgages. I will talk to you Thursday morning. A lot more fun to get to. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.